1: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Got a double dip for you today. Um, very excited to bring you this episode because it features uh, a couple of high quality conversations, which I'd like to think always take place on this show. But, you know, you never know. You have some hits, you have some misses. Um, this one's a good one, though. Um, first up, we have one of the assistant coaches for the Auburn Tigers basketball team, um, who I think uh, had the NCAA season continued, would have probably gotten, eh, I don't know, maybe a three seed, uh, two or three seed, something like that. Um, and they featured one of the best freshmen in the country who was certainly on the um, Nick's draft radar. Anyway, uh Wesley Flanagan is joining me today to talk a little bit about what it was like to coach Isaac Acora last year, how he thinks um Isaac will fit in the NBA, uh, some of the progress he's made on his game since he first stepped foot into uh Auburn and a whole lot more. It's um, you know, if you enjoyed the co- the episode with um coach Uh, Coach Young from a few weeks ago. I think you're really going to enjoy this one with Coach Flanagan. So that's up first. And then I could not let an opportunity to bring my two buddies, Yash and Oz, on the program yet again. Uh, Reminder, they were the ones you heard doing the uh, post-game recaps, as it were, for the last dance episodes. Well, I brought him back because LeBron James has won another NBA championship. Congratulations to him and to the Lakers. Uh, We are not sore losers here at the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, No, sir, we are not. Um, But anyway, I brought them on to have the inevitable uh, Jordan and LeBron debate. Um, We definitely got some interesting takes out of that uh, segment. I think you're going to enjoy that as well. So that's coming up second. Um, But first, without further ado, uh, my conversation with Auburn assistant coach Wes Flanagan. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, I am very honored to have uh, one of the top assistant coaches in the country for a team that, man, they were really, really close a season ago from winning the whole thing. They lost by one point to the eventual NCAA champions, and um, I was really, really excited to see. What they were going to do in this year's tournament. Unfortunately, they didn't get the chance. Um, but just absolutely one of the best programs in the nation. Um, so joining me now, I'd like to welcome to the show, Wes Flanagan, assistant coach of the Auburn Tigers. Uh, coach Flanagan, how you doing?
0: Man, I'm doing good, man. How you doing?
1: I- I'm doing okay. It's, it's an honor and a privilege for me to get to talk to people that, um, you know, are, are doing what you're doing because I just think, uh, to, to be in the thick of it, you know, um, for a school like Auburn with that tradition and, uh, to have the success you're having, um, well, let me start there. What has it been like? I mean, you've been back home now with your alma mater for, since the last two years, since 2018, um, this must be like a dream come true for you.
0: (laughs) Man, you took the words right out of my mouth, uh, You know, obviously, man, since I finished up playing, um, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be a a college coach. Uh, My dad was a high school coach, you know, probably, um, you know, one of the best high school coaches in in Arkansas history. And so, you know, growing up, you know, him being my mentor, him being my role model, um, you know, I always knew I wanted to get into coaching. Uh, Didn't really decide what level until after I finished up playing here at Auburn. Uh, but, But I knew at some point, man, that if I wanted to be on the college level, Uh, You know, I would love to have the opportunity to come back to Auburn. Uh, Obviously, Coach Pearl, man, has done a tremendous job here. Uh, Not only, man, boosting our fan base, uh, but but our community, man. He does so much work within our community uh, to bring us all together. uh, That I'm I'm just totally amazed, man, by the amount of energy he has at his age, uh, the drive, uh, and the competitive spirit that he has. And, you know, what you see with Auburn, man, right now in terms of basketball, you know, it's just all a a product of his hard work, his determination. And then, you know, obviously having great people around him. And and when I say great people, I'm talking about, first of all, his players, because they come first and they kind of set the tone behind him. But then we got an unbelievable staff, too. And so uh, I've been lucky, man. I, I, I always grew up, you know, watching the Final Four as a little kid, you know, laying on the floor with my dad, watching those games. And. You know, to get the opportunity to, you know, obviously compete as a an assistant coach at my alma mater, uh, you know, where our basketball tradition has been kind of up and down, uh, you know, to walk out there and see, you know, eighty five, ninety thousand fans, and you know, see that Auburn jersey, man, it was it was a dream come true too, as you've already said.
1: Well, it's been a lot more up and down recently. Um, you know, last year. I look I, I we, we don't have to talk about it I'm I'm sure it's you know for as exciting as the run to the final four was um I mean if if what doesn't if what happens to Okiki doesn't happen to him who knows how that the rest of that year happens he's going to have a great NBA right. career regardless um you had two right. other NBA players on that team Jared Harper and Bryce Brown um you know, we'll, we'll, Jared actually now here up in, uh, in New York, which we're excited to see him. Hopefully we, we get a chance to see him this year. Um, right. you returned four senior starters. Um, and your sixth man, uh, is, is also a senior. So really, really, really veteran team. And then you got this freshman coming in, you know, whatever he was, 36th strength recruit, 40th rank recruit. Before you guys, <laughs> got this thing going, did you, what did you expect from Isaac Okoro, you know, to contribute to to this team?
0: Well, we always knew as a staff man recruiting that, you know, he was, he was, he was undervalued. Uh, You know, obviously he was, you know, ranked from anywhere between 30 and 40 coming out of high school. Uh, But what people don't understand, man, is that the kid never lost a game in high school. Uh, So we knew we had a winner on our hand. We knew we had a guy that was going to be ultra competitive uh, we knew we had one of the best defensive players in the country, even as a freshman. And uh, I think the whole deal with us as a staff was just trying to figure out because we had lost – we basically lost, you know, five – well, four starters, uh, you know, off the Final 14. Um, and, and we had a lot of guys that were basically coming off the bench for us uh, that were now going to become starters. And we had one kid, Anthony McLemore, that went from a starter uh, to being our sixth man, um, as you as you mentioned – and so, basically, it was going to be a whole new team trying to accept new roles. And uh, the beautiful thing about Coach Pearl and his system is, you know, we we play, you know, 9 to 11 guys on a regular basis in our rotation. Like, that rotation very seldom changes. And so, regardless of whether those guys had starts, uh, they were a huge part of our program, you know, in the rotation. They had game experience. And so, it was just about putting the right pieces together. And, and for Isaac man, you know, in my opinion – you know, he came into the, the perfect, you know, ideal situation where uh, he had shooters around him. And uh, all he had to do was kind of be who Isaac Okoro was and who we recruited him to be. Uh, you know, we knew that, you know, those old, other four guys on the court were going to be on the right spot because they had so much experience. Uh, so all he had to worry about was himself. Uh, he didn't have to worry about playing with two or three other freshmen or sophomores. And that made it a little easy on him. Uh, but he is a heck of a competitor a great basketball intellect. And, uh, man, I used to come into the the games. uh, I used to come into the games after it was over with, and I would say, man, I'm glad you're on my team. Every (laughs) game. Every game. You know, if you see Isaac Okoro and you say, man, appreciate you being on our team, you know, he'll know where that's coming from. So, uh, man, unbelievable player. Uh, One of the most uh, gifted freshmen that I've ever been around. Uh, Great kid, you know, like a 3.8 GPA. Uh, oh you wow! Know, you never have to worry. About, yeah, you never have to worry about him off the court. He's humble. He's respectful, and he wants to be. He wants to be great, and he wants to be coach. And so it was. It was. It was a privilege, man. Just sitting over there watching him for one year. I wish we could have him back. You know, for another year, but. You know that guy's. You know, been trying to work to achieve his dream for so long. You know, it was time. It was time for him to go. It was the right time.
1: You said he he likes to be coached. Um, we we have a, a coach now here in New York who um, you know he 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 likes to coach kids and uh, sometimes he likes to coach him pretty hard. You know, once upon a right. time he coached a young man who uh, we've seen do some things over the last few weeks in in Jimmy Butler. When right when I so, you know, Tibbs got Jimmy and it was, I think it was probably a, a match made in heaven. When you, when you think about Isaac's mentality, his makeup, you know, you say he wants to be great. Um, I, I I'm look, I mean, I'm, it's unfair to compare anybody to, to Jimmy Butler, but he, I've heard, you know, just there's, there is a chip on Isaac's shoulder. Is that, is that fair to say? And do you think that will help him take to you know, some hard coaching um, at the next level?
0: Man, I, I think he can handle whatever, you know, personality a coach may have. Uh, if you want to coach him hard, you want to get into him, he can handle that. You know, he's got enough comparative, you know, inner you know, fire to him to where, you know, you don't really have to say anything for him to, you know, bring, bring his best to the table. Um, you know, I look at this draft, man, and I've told, you know, every pro scout that's called me, I said, man, if, you, if you're drafting on winning, you know, if you're you're trying to win and put together a championship team, you know I, I don't care what other sixty names on the draft board, I'm taking Isaac Okoro first. You know that's that's just how much I believe and how much of a difference he makes when he's on the floor in terms of winning and making winning plays. Um, I'm I'm taking him, man. I would I would bet on him before I would bet on you know any of the other guys that's in those, in that draft. I believe in his toughness. Uh, you know, I believe in his, his character. Uh, you know, I believe in his work ethic. Uh, and, and I know, you know, if there's one knock on him, it's probably his perimeter shot. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that I'll say about that is, you know, he's a kid that didn't really shoot it at all, you know, from the three point line in high school. And you saw him come here and, and he was able to at least keep people honest. You know, he made some big shots for, for, for us, uh, you know, down the stretch of some games. And so, uh, You know, if you're talking to me, obviously I'm biased, uh, but I'm I'm definitely, you know, putting my money in in the eyes of the
1: But I I think, you know, and look, who knows what's going to happen with the draft. I'm, you know, doing a Knicks podcast here. We have the eighth pick. I would personally think it would be a mistake if he fell to eight um, by some other teams ahead of us um, because, I mean, it's a draft with no sure things, right? At least in the typical sense. And when you watch him on both ends of the floor, the thing that was amazing to me is, you know, he, he could have, I'm sure, taken more shots than he took. He only averaged 8.9 shots a game, you know, 12.9 points. He didn't seem like he right. ever forced it. And right. he, the thing that I actually am most intrigued by, and I, I wanted to get your, your take on this, he has some real playmaking skills. Like he, he throws some passes that I, you know, you, it'll maybe only happen a couple times a game, but those are some really right. high level passes. Do you think that he has more of a playmaking upside that will reveal itself when he gets to the next level?
0: Man, I definitely do. You know, and you saw as we, you know, learned our team a little bit more last year, you know, we were a little short-handed at the guard spot in terms of guard play. Um, You know, we we probably were one guard short. You know, we would have, you know, came up short in March if we had an opportunity to compete. Uh, you know, we probably would have said as a staff that we were probably one guard short from being really, 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 like, great, like, getting back to the Final Four. Okay. Uh, but you saw us at the end of the year, man, start to develop him as more more of that playmaker within our offense. And, uh, you know, I talked about his IQ a little bit, you know, and, and he handles the ball well enough, you know, to be able to create an advantage. He's athletic enough. He's He's explosive enough. And uh, just just his intellect, man, and being able to read and and you know select scenarios, man, to help his team out. He's gonna make the right play. You know he's six six. He's two hundred and you know twenty five pounds. Uh, you know no body fat, and he's as quick as you know probably any point guard in the league. Uh, you know you put him in an advantage disadvantage situation, man. He's 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 gonna give your your team a chance to come out of the thing with a good shot.
1: The other thing that you know, I think is exciting for him at the next level is i'm and you you kind of just alluded to it. I, I, I'm not sure there are the way the league has downsized. um, you know, he's you know, I profiles as a three. i I would imagine there could be some scenarios obviously where he'll play up a position. Maybe he even plays right. a little too. I, I'm with the with the size of most of the guys that are gonna be guarding him his ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the hoop. I mean, obviously that's one of the big selling points. I'm curious if you think again, talking, projecting forward, he has the ability to maybe develop some more counters as he drives to the lane. I, I was watching the the second Alabama game um, over the weekend and his last basket in that game where he, they overplayed him on one side and he did a, a little spin and just laid it up. in it. I'm like, man, um, I want to see more of that. Uh, do you think he has more of that in him?
0: Man, I, I definitely do, man. Like, like, the kid works, man. Like, you know, I walk into the gym this morning at, you know, 7.30. We had a COVID test at 7.30, and, you know, it probably took five minutes. I walk into the gym at 7.35. Man, he's already into his, you know, weightlifting workout with Coach D, our strength coach. Um, coach D has done a tremendous job for, our, for us and our program. Uh, but, you know, the the kid is here, man. He's working every day. He's in his gym, you know, two or three times a day. Uh, You know, he's going to continue to get better. Uh, And then just with his natural gifts, uh, that gives the kid a chance, you know, and I I knew he was special. Uh, We knew he was special when we got him, but I knew he was really going to be special. Uh, When I saw him one day, you know, during the first week of our practice, I think, Uh, He ended up getting switched on to Austin Wiley. Okay. For people that don't know who Austin Wiley is, Austin is, you know, 6'10", 6'11". big. (laughs) You know, he's 265. And, you know, again, he's another kid with probably 4% body fat. And uh, Austin catches it in the paint, two feet in the paint. And Isaac gets caught behind him. Uh, But Isaac was physical enough and strong enough, you know, to hold his ground in that situation. He wouldn't even let Austin pivot. And, you know, there's not many people that I've seen do that to Austin that was smaller than him. And so, uh, you know, it's just – he's a guy, man, that, you know, I think with the game becoming a positionless game, you know, I think he's a guy that probably can play four positions for you in the league offensively uh, and then guard all five spots on the floor. I, I really do believe that. And, uh, man, we just wish him the best, man. We know he's going to be really good, you know, knock on wood, barring and injury. Uh, You know, I I, I just wish him the best.
1: Um, You mentioned the defense. I got to ask you that before I get you out of here. I think is if to me, I think he probably has the the highest defensive upside in the draft. Um, You know, I I recently had uh, Coach Young on here from uh, Florida State. Um, we were talking about, right. uh, uh, Vass and, you know, Devin Vassell, uh, off ball, wonderful. I'm not sure if he has quite the on ball defensive upside. Isaac. Right. It seemed like, again, referencing that Alabama game. How many times you guys put him on, on Kyra, who, uh, you know, is he the fastest player in the country? Maybe. would, would you, would you was that intentional? Where you were, you know, you figured, all right. And look, Kyra went. I think three for thirteen in the game. He did not have a strong game. Um, how nice was it to have a guy where you could put him on fastest point guard in the country? You could if he gets switched onto a big like that. That must have been great.
0: Well, you know, that's that's part of us having the best staff in the country, man. If we if we don't put Isaac O'Coro on him, man, that's the only that's the only real chance we got. A in Kyra, you know what I mean? Uh, but now now re- realistically, man, he's a guy. that you know, you watch some of these pros in the bubble. You know, he's a guy that probably can pick a guy like Kimber Walker up full court, uh, you know, and turn him a couple of times. Uh, but then on the flip side of it, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, maybe can go down and, you know, guard a guy like LeBron James in the post. You know, I think he's that gifted athletically. I think he's that intelligent. I think he's got that much of a competitive spirit. And so, you know, when you look at some of the best players, you know, out there in the world, Uh, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, James Harden, some of those guys, you know, a lot of those NBA franchises are looking for guys uh, that can defend those guys one-on-one, man, so they don't have to switch, so they don't have to help as much. And uh, I think this kid gives them, you know, that opportunity or that ability. Uh,
1: The last one before I I get you out of here, and I really can't thank you enough for the time. Um, New York is a a big place. And it's, uh, you know, the, the lights are not for everybody. Um, You know, Isaac, he's, he's from, from Georgia. Um, It's, you know, it's Auburn is, I mean, listen, the the spotlight at Auburn, I shouldn't downplay that. That's a massive spotlight. As you said, when you get those fans in there and it's, it's serious. How do you think he would take to a a city like New York with, with all that it entails and, and an organization that, you know, Frankly, it has been tough for some players to come in here and deal with everything that comes with with being a Nick. How how do you think he would handle that?
0: Right. Well, first of all, man, like let's give, you know, his parents uh, a hell of a lot of credit here. Uh, You know, they raised that kid the right way. Uh, He's a humble kid. You know, he works hard, as i talked about. Uh, But above and beyond that, man, he's a kid that doesn't, you know, really get into the social media stuff. He's not a big hangout guy. He's not a drinker. He's not a smoker. Um, and so that gives him a chance. Uh, you know, he's, he's from Atlanta, Georgia now. And uh, you know, there's a lot of things and, and temptations and distractions. <laughs> that's, in that's a good way of putting it. And so he, he's dealt with that. And then obviously coming to Auburn, you know, he's a big fish in a small pond, you know, there's always eyes on him no matter where he goes. And so uh, when you ask that question, man, I feel 100% sure in saying, you know, that that he's a guy, man, that will be able to handle himself no matter what market he's in.
1: Well, that is great to hear. Um, he has been someone all along ever since I really started studying this draft that um, I said, if the Knicks end up with him, um, I'd be thrilled because, uh, hey, listen, you started talking about it. Winning will follow him. And, and there hasn't been a, a ton of winning around here. So if we right. could get, if we could get some more of that, it would be great. Um, stick around for half a second, coach. I just want to, uh, thank you again privately, but, uh, everybody out there, thanks for listening to, uh, this spot with, um, one of the best coaches that, uh, you will find, uh, manning the sidelines. I'm sure who will be a head coach again. Uh, someday, uh, Coach Flanagan. Thank you again so much for coming on.
0: Well, man, for all the people out on the East Coast, man, we got to end this with a with a War Eagle, man. I got to teach guys that you know, all across the country, this is becoming a program that's you know getting on you know, sort of speak, on the national radar, and we end everything with War Eagle. So, Warrior to you guys. You guys have a great week.
1: <laughs> thank you. Joining us now for the uh, second half of uh, this podcast spectacular are uh, two men who uh, need no introduction. That's because there's really not much positive to say about either of them. Um, they have appeared on this podcast before, which I, I don't even know at this point. Does this go in the does that go in the plus column for either of them in terms of career accomplishments? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, I'll, who should I introduce first? Um, since I think I'm going to side with him more, uh, he is a film critic for Loud and Clear, clear Reviews. Um, he is a frequent guest now on the Final Score podcast with Andrew Claudio. He also, I think, has a day job, um, and he just had his second child. Uh, congratulations and welcome to Bernardo Zaraski.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. I, I appreciate the loving intro, and please uh, talk about what a bag of shit Yash is in his intro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> off to a off to a rousing start. Um, this is a second guest uh, again. You have heard him uh, on this podcast before, um, discussing something he's wrong. <laughs> um discussing yes. Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf and um his, his mentality as a owner of a basketball team. Um he also I also I think he does something for a living uh that involves a courtroom, perhaps. Um Yashwat Majanath. Hello, Yash.
3: Oh, look at you with the full name and everything.
1: It only took me five years to get it right. I think I think I did pretty well.
3: Yeah, you did. And while you may side more with Bernard, as you did when we were, uh, going through our Will Smith moments, uh, next podcast, I will have the people on my side, Macri, as I did for that podcast as well. When, uh, I was correct about Roy Hibbert blocking Mello being much worse than the Jeremy Lynn trade. And obviously two for 18 being much worse than the KP trade. I,
1: Okay. Well, that's probably a good place to start. Um, I think you will have the people on your side here. I'm not sure if that's necessarily something you want to boast about because so uh we're here to, so LeBron James just won his fourth NBA championship Um, uh, reigniting a round of uh, debates, I guess you'd say about who is the greatest player of all time. I wrote about it in Tuesday's newsletter. It's starting to feel to me like people who are in the it's still Jordan. It'll always be Jordan. This is not a conversation. If you have, if you make this a conversation, you're an asshole. I'm starting to feel like those people are the assholes, which means I, I think I'm calling you an asshole, which is something I'm eminently comfortable with.
3: That's uh, perfectly fine. I'm very eminently comfortable with being called an asshole. It's it's something that I've never shied away from, or uh, you know, bothered to hide in any way, shape, or form.
1: Well, that's good for you. That's a, that's a good first step. Um I here look I'll just put it out there. I think it's a conversation now that's all that's all I'm saying. I think it's a conversation I think it's a real debate. I don't really have in my own mind personally a clear like oh it's it's definitely this guy's one and this guy's two at this point. I don't think I'll ever be able to put LeBron ahead of Jordan, but I don't think I'll be able to ever be able to stay with complete conviction that um Jordan is head and shoulders above LeBron um I just don't know how I would go about doing that. Given all of the evidence that we have, so actually, before I have a feeling you're you're going to get worked up pretty quickly, Yash. So Bernard, you want to give us the first of the takes that you have on this subject?
2: You know what? Let let me start with a, with a positive take because I, I I am at least lightly going to remain siding with Jordan on this. But let me let me give you something that LeBron did achieve, and we're we're talking about overall legacy. It's not it's not just the stats on the court or anything like that. And I think what, what he has done over the course of the last couple of years, particularly the last three months is cemented his place on the Mount Rushmore of athletes who are also social advocates. Very true. And I think that he, he has really, I mean, if you, if you're making this list, I imagine I'm kind of doing this on the fly here, but you need Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, maybe Billie Jean King. And I think LeBron is probably your fourth person on, on the athlete advocate Rushmore. And you know what? That's, that's a hell of an achievement. It's a hell of an achievement when, when Barack Obama is tweeting about your greatness. And really, I think to give the man some credit and we'll just ignore his Chinese people buy sneakers too phase.
3: (laughs) uh, Oh, let's also remember Barack Obama tweeted about Alex Smith as well. So, I mean, He's maybe not as discriminating as he should be. So wow. I mean, Alex Smith's
0: you, you couldn't story wait to pull that one
3: inspirational. out. He almost died, you prick. <laughs> but uh,
2: I, I think LeBron really does deserve credit for what a leadership role he's taken among all the players in the NBA. It's clear from what's come out of those players-only meetings, the pauses during, during the bubble phase here, that, that this is the man who's leading the entire sport. And this is the man who's leading the entire sport towards trying to make America a little bit better place. And I think he deserves tremendous credit for that. And I think his overall athletic achievement is certainly in the realm where he deserves that spot on, on athlete advocate Mount Rushmore.
1: Um, I, I think that's very well said. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing to add. I think it's very well said. I, I will. Um, and I, th- this is maybe a, a Segue to Yash, because I'll just add on to that. That there are, I mean, I've been watching sports for close to 30 years, about the same as you two. Um, there have, there have only been three people that I've ever felt are, I don't know if I say bigger than sports, but like, you know, larger than life, uh, whatever, whatever, you know, colloquial phrase you want to say. And it's him and Jordan and, and Tiger Woods. And I guess where I'm, where I'm starting to really struggle in continuing to keep Jordan ahead of LeBron is, Um, Jordan's reign, so to speak, uh, was, you know, depending on if you started at his first MVP or if you started at his first championship, it was somewhere between um, eight and 10 years. Um, Tigers was 10 years. LeBron was on, like, the Sports Illustrated cover in high school. Was it 19 years ago? 18? Whatever. Um, And he's, he's still doing it. And that, to me, is just... I know it's like I I know Bernard, you hate the longevity argument for baseball Hall of Fame stuff, but I feel like this is a little bit different. Um, Yash, uh, wait, wait,
2: wait, I want I want to hit that just for one second. Please, if you want to talk about longevity argument? the 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 Jordan documentary did bigger ratings than the NBA final.
1: So, mm. well, let's
2: let well, not kid ourselves here on longevity. Yes. Michael Jordan still draws more eyeballs oh, than on No, I'm 2020.
1: not. I'm just talking about performance on the field. That's, right. yeah, crossed over with the other stuff. Yes.
3: And uh, I will definitely get in more to the point Bernard is making there about what it means to be the greatest of all time and, and what greatness means. But um, I'll start by agreeing with you, Macri, that uh, if we're talking about just longevity – LeBron's longevity is just undeniably better than Jordan's. And, um, I mean, he's made 16 all-NBA teams at this point. Jordan only made 11. And uh, part of that is that Jordan only played 15 total seasons. But if I may now make the case for why Michael Jordan is still the greatest of all time, and I don't think LeBron is really – I don't think it's even a close call right now. Now, that could still change. Is so for far too long, the conversation between MJ versus LeBron has been about rings because LeBron was not even close for most of the conversation. Now it's six to four, and the conversation has been about Jordan's six and zero finals record compared to now LeBron's four and six finals record. But that I feel like the rest of MJ's individual accomplishments have become weirdly underrated. So let's go through them. If we can compare to LeBron's. Um, MVP awards. Michael Jordan won five MVP awards.
0: Yes. LeBron
3: has won four up to this point, despite playing in more seasons. Finals MVP awards. Uh, MJ has won six and LeBron's won four. Defensive player of the year. MJ won defensive player of the year. LeBron never won defensive player of the year. Scoring titles. MJ won the scoring title. Ten times. He only played 11 full seasons with the Bulls, where he either wasn't injured or um, wasn't coming back mid-season in 95. Ten out of the 11 full seasons he played with the Bulls, he won the scoring title. That is absurd. It, uh, LeBron... It LeBron, is. It is
1: absurd. Yes.
3: LeBron, uh, I don't believe has ever won the scoring title. Maybe he won it once.
1: I think he won it one time, but that's. I'm not quite sure. That's neither here nor there. But continue.
3: Yeah. Um. Okay. Assists point for LeBron. He's won the assist title once, which is ludicrous for a small forward. Credit to him. And MJ obviously never did. Uh. Defense steals titles. MJ's won three times. LeBron has never won that. Um. An all-defensive team. MJ, nine appearances on the all-defensive team to just six for LeBron. Now, LeBron has been a more versatile defender. He can defend all five positions in the modern NBA. Credit to him for that. But at his best, he is not as good of a defender as Michael Jordan is at what Jordan was able to do on the court. Um, If you look at stats, uh, Michael Jordan was a better shot blocker than LeBron James, despite being a guard, he's second or third all time in blocks from the guard position. LeBron is not even in the top 20 for small forwards. Um he averaged 2.3 steals to LeBron's 1.6 steals. He had fewer turnovers. Rebounds. LeBron's averaged a little over one rebound more, 7.4 rebounds per game to MJ 6.3. But if you dive into those numbers further, MJ averaged close to two offensive rebounds a game to just 1.1 for LeBron. 75% of LeBron's rebounds are uncontested. He's a little bit of a stat patter on rebounds. Oh, wow. Not to the extent Whoa. that Westbrook. <laughs> was, but literally 75% of his rebounds uh, were uncontested. I, it, so, I, I mean, there's a, there's a case to be made that Jordan was, a, was getting more higher leverage rebounds than LeBron was. And doing it as a guard. So I mean, look, LeBron's a better passer. He's got better. Wait, longevity.
1: hold on. No, that okay. I've la- I've let you filibuster for long enough. LeBron is, or, or wait, oh, sorry, you said LeBron is a better passer.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought you
1: said Jordan was a better passer. I was no, LeBron's
3: the... a better. Okay, passer. LeBron's a better passer. He's got better longevity. He's a more versatile defender. Those are the things I'll give him. But. Um, He's just, he's still not better than Michael Jordan yet.
1: Um, I want to pick apart a couple of things, and, I, and Bernard, I need your, your help here. Can I, um, can I,
2: try, can I chime in one, one quick please. thing? Please. Yes. On, uh, I, I want to take actually, uh, and you're going you're to hate me, John, on Yash's side of the ball here. That's fine. If we look at, and look, NBA advanced stats are not great, but they're better than nothing, and they give us some perspective on the total package, especially when you look at multiple of them at once. Win shares, box plus minus, and value over replacement player. Jordan has nine league leads in each of those. LeBron has five in win shares, six in box plus minus, and seven in value over replacement player. Look, that is a... I'm glad
3: a, you brought that up, Bernard, because uh, you also left out player efficiency rating. That's because that's status a. That,
1: we're not talking about it. We, it I refuse worth, okay. to include All that right, well, in this conversation. Uh,
3: MJ's, worthless m j not only better than LeBron in all of those advanced stats you mentioned
1: I think like Andre Drummond was fifth in at PER last year, so' I'm not anyway. okay C- fair continue
3: that, that's true it, it, It's flawed, but okay, win share box plus minus value of replacement player m j better than LeBron in all those categories, also number one overall in NBA history, both in the regular season and the playoffs in all of those advanced stats
1: my My issue with what you've said. Is that you you bet you the first words that came out of your mouth when you went on that little rant there was like, yes, okay, I'll give them him the longevity as if that's just like a it's like a check in his column as opposed to something lording over the entire discussion. And I guess that's where I'm coming in with, with my stance here. If you look at LeBron's MVP shares, so he's won four. He's finished second four times. He's finished third, um, three times and he's finished fourth. Two additional times. And then he has a fifth and a sixth, but I won't even count those. Even if you want to dispense with the fourths, his he finished second for the first time in 2005, 2006 season. He finished second this year. That means he was considered the second best player in the NBA this year and the second best player in the NBA 15 years ago. That to me is just insane. And especially since the year after he finished second in MVP for the first time, he led a team to the finals, which we could all agree had no business like sniffing the, the NBA finals and they got, and they got yeah. promptly smoked. Like I, it, I, I don't know if it, if it really is as simple as peak versus, but it's not peak versus longevity because the longevity, it, the, the, the level of greatness throughout the longevity. That's why I'm curious to to hear your take, Bernard. Because I know with baseball, you can really boil this stuff down when it when it when it comes down to it, and I, I feel like there's there has to be a valid argument here.
2: I think there is a valid argument on longevity. There's there's just no question that his longevity is is significantly better than Jordan's. It's also he hasn't had the. For lack of a better word, he hasn't really had the break.
1: Thank you. I was getting to that.
2: That Jordan had in the middle of his career. And, you know, honestly, every single player in every single sport would benefit immensely from having a year and a half off in the middle of their career. And yes, I know he was playing another sport, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't going through the rigors of being Michael Jordan on the basketball court for a year and a half. And really, I, I think that carries a ton of weight because LeBron James has gone through the rigors of being LeBron James since he was 14 years old.
1: And couldn't we also argue that the rigors of being LeBron James at 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, let alone 23 and 27 and th- like all the way up until now, are, I don't want to say monumentally different from the rigors of being Michael Jordan oh, at now
2: they are. Here,
1: oh here my God. We're, Come on, I Yash. Universes,
2: Yash. Oh, because I mean, it's we, a different, we were- it's a different era. No, Jordan was, was look, it's part of Jordan's narrative to his credit is that everyone thought too little of him. Nobody believed in him and he proved all those motherfuckers wrong. And then he sat and drank scotch and told us about it for 10 hours. <laughs> Good for him. But look, LeBron was the anointed one since he was a fucking child and growing up in the era of the internet. It means he's had to bear that burden and live his life in the spotlight which is fucking brutal. And by the way, he was a
1: child. There's only one other person who knows what that's like. And he cracked after a decade and he cracked in spectacular fucking fashion. And he hasn't been back since. Um, and I know maybe it's not fair to compare cross sports here, but like, I think when you look at what's happened to Tiger Woods over the last decade and you look at how LeBron has handled everything, I like, man, Talk about two d- different ways of approaching things. And okay. well,
3: yeah. here's all right here. I, I hear what you're saying and no disagreement for me that LeBron, the pressure he was under as a child, no comparison Uh Michael Jordan got to have a, a collegiate career. He was not even the number one prospect coming into that draft. He was the third pick. He didn't come in with the immense hype that LeBron did. All of that is fair, but What we learned in the last dance was the immense pressures that came with being Michael Jordan. At one point, he was arguably the most famous man on the planet. Forget famous athlete. Everyone around the world knew who he was. And there's immense pressure that comes with that, too. And to your point, Macri, about, well, is there one guy who cracked and and left? No, I mean, Jordan, arguably, he he cracked a little bit when his dad died and he retired for a bit. And yes, he, he took a break, rather. And then what did he do? He came back and he won three championships. In, in, a do,
1: in dominating fashion, we should
3: add. Yeah. And, and, and the first one was the greatest, I think, team of all time still, the 96 Bulls. But, uh, I mean, so you he, know, gets, he deserves some credit for that too. It's not like this is a, this is a man who couldn't handle adversity on his own. Now, he, I don't want to get into – I'm not minimizing anything that you said about LeBron, the pressure LeBron was under. Absolutely he was. But LeBron has also wilted under that pressure on the court. One time. Like he did in that MAB series. One time. Oh, he was it, – and it's one time that – okay.
1: It's a massive time, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's one a, time. It is a
3: massive time, and it's why – so why was it for a long time – why does it matter that uh, Jordan is 6-0 and in the finals? Why do people care about that? Well, for – that's when the most eyes are watching the games. That's when the casual fans are watching, and on the – Biggest stage with the brightest lights. He never failed in the NBA Finals. And LeBron has. And maybe that's unfair to him because getting to the Finals 10 times as a basketball fan, as a pure basketball fan and not a casual fan, that's a tremendous accomplishment. But for regular people who are watching the game of basketball who aren't the diehard fans – they're, they look at that and they see the four and six NBA Finals record. They see how many times LeBron has lost in the finals. I'm not sure. See I, how many I, times-
1: I don't think I care about that, Bernard. What, you were you were chiming in with something. What were you going to say?
2: Oh, look, as I as I continue to enjoy sitting on this fence here, uh, <laughs> let, let me go. Let me go. Let me chip it for more reasons that. than one. <laughs> of course. Uh, look, you. If we're going to talk about LeBron and cracking under the pressure and how he handles things, the decision is a fucking disaster. It's a clusterfuck every way it was handled. Uh, That needs to be held against his legacy for for decision-making and dealing with it. But conversely, I don't care if Jordan was the most popular person on earth in the 90s. Being like the 300th most popular person on earth in the 2020s is far more difficult. because Two main reasons every asshole in the world has a camera on their cell phone to catch whatever it is you do in your life. And God only knows what cell phone cameras would have caught in Jordan's life through, <laughs> through, much, of this, through much of this time. <laughs> but you know, Look, beyond that, there, there is a longstanding tradition of the press treating athletes in a respectful deferential matter when it comes to their nightlife, unless they're a particular sort of asshole like A-Rod that's <laughs> only really fallen apart in the last decade or so. Um, And you really have to be a the, the sort of person like A-Rod where they decide to crush you and run pictures of you with strippers and everything else.
1: We never reported it when he came to Wicker Park with a lady friend. <laughs> that never got out <laughs> until now. it's
2: Le- true. Like, LeBron has had to deal with that level of scrutiny, not just for, for his career, but for most of his life. And Jordan just predates the way athletes are treated now. He He still lived in the respectful coverage of of Mickey Mantle beating up his wife and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> no, and and if you, but I mean, you, you joke about it, but if you think about, okay, so the Jordan rules came out and what happened to Sam Smith? Sam Smith was, I don't know if I want to say he's ostracized, but like, <laughs> like today, if someone did like, tried to do the LeBron rules, he's like put up on a pedestal and that person gets a primetime or whatever, like a daily talk show on ESPN or something. It's, it's a different okay, world.
3: But you don't think that part of that? Ha- I hear what you're saying, hundred percent, Bernard. Great point made there about uh, things could have turned out very differently for Michael Jordan if he was in this era. We'll never know. But it would have it would have been a very different level of pressure and scrutiny. That's hundred percent true. But uh, you don't think LeBron has brought that on himself? Not only with the decision and leaving the Cavs. Of course but he has. What he's done his entire career, which is this is now his third team that he's won a championship with. He hooks up with all these other Hall of Fame players on these other teams. Uh, he acts as a pseudo-GM and and uh, hiring his coach. Gosh, so what? He's doing a like, good job
2: of it.
1: Yeah, who gives a shit? So what did Jerry fucking Krause drafted Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and LeBron was drafted by a team that was maybe the most inept franchise in the league outside of the one that we all collectively root for? Like, <laughs> that's not his... That's not his fault. I I mean, I I don't put it against him.
3: Yeah. Well, again, we we expect, you know, Jordan was almost superhuman in his accomplishments on the biggest stage. When you watched him play, I mean, I know I was a kid when I was watching him play and it, it seemed like he was always going to pull out the win. Like he was the main character in his own movie and the rest of us were just spectators. Yeah. And LeBron hasn't been that way. He's, I mean, he's lost now six times in the NBA Finals. Other great players have won championships with LeBron around. Whereas you look at Michael Jordan's career, I mean, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Gary Payton, Charles Barkley, uh, Reggie Miller, David Robinson, only after he retired. All these Hall of Fame players didn't win a championship <sighs> while he was playing. I, I, he I, He dominated the sport in a way that, It was almost unfair to the people who had to compete against him. And if you look at – okay, people talk about how difficult LeBron's finals appearances were, the teams he had to face. But the average win total for finals opponents, 61.2 wins for Michael Jordan, 59.8 for LeBron James. Those teams that Jordan was facing in the finals were good teams that we – Now, Retcon is not being good teams because of how he dominated. Well, hold. Wait a minute. Wait a
1: minute. We we, listen. We we shouldn't spend too much time on this because you you all have lives and things to get to. But like, what? Put okay. I'll give you Barkley sons That I think Barkley sons was a great team, and Barkley was a great player. But name me the player that Jordan vanquished, or the team that Jordan vanquished that like is in the same conversation even remotely as those Golden State teams or the 2014 um, Spurs team uh, that beat him or the 2017 or sorry, not 17, 2007 Spurs team that beat the, you know, the dog shit Cavs that he dragged there by the by the skin of their teeth.
3: okay. I I will give you the Warriors. That is the greatest uh, um, as far as most impressive finals victory. LeBron has the most impressive finals victory on his resume beating that Warriors team. Now it took a two game suspension for Draymond green. It did. And, and if that doesn't happen, they lose that series in five games.
1: And maybe KD doesn't sign with golden state and the following year or even two years may have been different. I mean, again, we could. there are counterfactuals of play. I just know. I remember watching like we all set well, Bernard and me have a, we're a little older. I can't believe I just admitted that. Um, but we remember yeah, those, you're
3: like a hundred. Yeah. Go. Thank
1: you. I, we watched those, that jazz team, like, I'm sorry. That jazz team was like, they were good. That wasn't a great team. Like the, that, that okay. Portland, I that mean, Portland team wasn't a great team. The Laker team got exposed. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick nits. The six and O was six and O and it counts and like, it's, it's there. And nobody can take Matthew that away Johnson from him. But
3: In the MVP race that year, what second? In the MVP race that year? He, he
1: was he was really good, but I, I think that team got exposed a little I,
3: bit. I, I, okay. Well, I mean— Look, I, I can't I believe you're I'm sitting not, here doing this. I
1: love Michael Jordan. He's my favorite athlete I, of all time.
3: Right, but, but we're also now ignoring that the East was the better conference for Jordan to get there in, in the way that LeBron's path to the finals— He did not have to go through this gauntlet to get to the finals, especially that last Cavs. This is very true. And that makes a big difference. It it really does. I mean, he had, and the physical beating that Jordan had to take getting through the East playoffs. Okay. Um, No, yeah, that's, look, it's, it's, uh, I just,
1: we've now been talking about this for a half an hour and we could keep, we could go back and forth for another three hours. I just, my whole point is that it is a, it is a real debate now. I just don't think you could. St- I, I I just don't think there's enough there anymore to stand on one's laurels and say, "Oh, this is this is very clearly X," when it could be Y. I, Bernard, there's give me- not
3: enough. There's not enough to just stand on. Oh, six rings, six and zero. That's the end of the conversation. No, you, you should have an actual conversation. And you know, the last thing that I'll talk about before we get out of here is um, the one advantage that Jordan will always have over LeBron, which is. Shooting and crunch time. Last 24 seconds of a game. Michael Jordan, 50% from the field. LeBron James, 36%. Last 10 seconds of a game. 47% Michael Jordan, 39% LeBron James. Last five seconds, when the defense is focusing and gearing up for that buzzer beater. Michael Jordan, 46% from the field. LeBron James, 39%. None of those... Uh, or even – and that's that's not just the eye test. No, that's real. LeBron has the, that's real. That's, that's real. Re- and, and like the same way that the longevity works in LeBron's favor for all those extra all-NBA appearances and, and now these additional championships, we now have a large, overwhelming body of work to show that he is just not a good crunch time shooter. Uh, and that is something I, that – fans are always going to hold against him.
2: There's a difference between not as good and not as good as Jordan. Let's, yeah. let's not get them confused.
3: And, and it's, it's
1: again, it's one, it's one part of the discussion. Um, that's, that's, that's all it's a, it's an important part, but um, so Bernard, I, I, anything I else also, from you?
2: Yeah, I, I have one, I guess, more holistic thought uh, to leave you all with. And that that's to ask if LeBron James can actually be the goat. If nobody gives a shit. And I I don't want to delve too deep into ratings. and I'm certainly not going to buy into the bullshit Trumpkin thing that it's the (laughs) Black Lives Matter on the jerseys and stuff that's upsetting ratings because ratings were dog shit for the Stanley Cup. All sorts of sports are down. This is the NBA version of if a tree falls in the woods. Yeah, exactly. But look, here's the, the simple reality is this. The six games in the finals this year were the six lowest rated finals games ever played. In the modern era, it's and it's not particularly close. I believe that, you know, there might be one or two games historically that may have fallen below the roughly five million people that
3: watched each time. Oh, LeBron, by the way, what do you think is the second lowest rated NBA finals ever? I'm going to guess from you asking it that way that it's another LeBron NBA finals. Is it the Warriors sweep? No, I was
1: no. I was going to guess the Rockets, um, the Rockets Knicks.
3: Nope. No, Rockets Knicks did did pretty well, actually, um, by comparison. No, it was Cavs-Spurs. In
1: 2007. <laughs>
3: yeah. okay. So, They're yeah, the greatest of all time, the greatest, uh, all this scrutiny, and yet the two lowest-rated NBA Finals in history. Okay. okay. No and and matters.
2: Here, here's why it matters this year. It's a little different this year. He was playing for the prestige, the premier franchise in the NBA, He had an extra superstar right alongside him who should, at least in the abstract, be a draw. He was playing against another team that number one, he had history with. And number two has been full of stars through the last decade and thus has all sorts of casual fans around the world. And nobody gave a shit. And look that, that, I just can't imagine a universe where Michael Jordan was playing in the NBA finals and nobody would give a shit. And if anything, the, the reaction to the Jordan doc back at the beginning of quarantine times 37 years ago really, <laughs> really reflects how much these people matter to the sports watching world. And it's clear that then and now Jordan simply resonates more with people than LeBron does. And I do think that matters when you're looking at the big picture of who the greatest of all time is. How people connect with their viewership, how people draw in eyeballs matters. And I'm damn sure that Space Jam 1 is going to be a hell of a lot better than this dog shit thing LeBron <laughs> is putting together coming next year. I refuse to watch this dog shit LeBron Space Jam 2 Oh, I'll, I'll watch or, it. Dude, I'll it's from it. the director of Scary Movie 5, so it's going to be really huh? great. Is that a real Fantastic? thing? That's that's actually
1: who's direct? That's actually true. Okay, yeah. that's actually true. And, and now
2: he, I know he directed
3: some other stuff, too. He directed Girls Trip, which isn't so bad. But yeah, it's the director of Scary Movie 5. I like 5. Girls Trip. Um, oh, good. I, I now know that there is a Scary Movie 5. Yeah, I mean, Bernard took the word right out of my mouth it's because michael jordan is the greatest of all time still widely regarded as such and lebron james is just a guy who's always going to be chasing that shadow but never quite going to catch
1: it um i say this uh not only because i i want to pile on yash uh but but partially, partially so bernard that's the best point that's made, been made on this podcast um it's it's it, you know it's it, in all honesty it is a great point um, it, it means more than any numbers or anything. I, I yeah, I don't, um, like if I, I, I asked myself a few times during this finals, like if I didn't, you know, you know, quote unquote, cover the NBA now, like what I have been as glued to my TV to see this. And it's like, I honestly, I, I don't know, but I I've grown to love this sport. And that's why I am, I am doing what I'm doing, but it's, it's interesting. Um, and Michael Jordan is one of the main reasons I love the sport. And if I was a 10-year-old kid today watching, would I grow that same love watching LeBron James? I I can't answer that question.
3: So I'm wearing my Jordans right now in honor of this podcast. I don't even know if LeBron has shoes, does he? Oh, my God. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. And, the- and I'm okay with uh, you saying Bernard made the best point as long as you acknowledge that there's only one. True goat. There's only like.
1: one Michael Jordan that I'll acknowledge. But if we're, if I still think on the, on the court, strictly on the court, the 94 by 50 or whatever it is, that's where that to me, where the is where the discussion lies. But, um, this was good. This was fun, guys. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on as always and, and, and taking time out of what I, I, all jokes aside, you guys have massively, if people knew how busy each of your lives were. They would probably think a lot less of you that you wasted time to come on this podcast.
2: <laughs> 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 it's That's fine. True. I'm just going to uh, sleep unlike, on the
3: couch tonight for this. <laughs> un- unlike the two of you, I'm I'm still an adjunct professor of law at Fordham now. And uh, doing that in addition to my... That's just because you're trying you know, to fuck students. Come on. Dude. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm doing it remotely, so that would be difficult. and uh also frowned upon.
1: <laughs> frowned upon? I wonder why it would be frowned upon. Is Has that, is that ever happened before? Uh, Bernard, by the way, how's your wife?
2: Uh, <laughs> my former student wife is doing very well thank you
1: give give her my best um please give her my best too uh, i will do that bernard or yash you get my worst um uh, always yeah always uh this has been great uh, and uh, everybody at home uh thank you for uh listening to another episode of um me and my two buddies bullshitting with each other for a half an hour we'll be back with you with another episode Probably not featuring Yash and Oz uh, very soon.